0: Hello and welcome to episode 3 of this brand new podcast talking all things football, all things Saints. My name is Tom Murray and I'm joined by Callum Wilson and this is Under the Lights. Football is back. On Friday night, Luton Town played Middlesbrough in the first match of the 2019-2020 season and what a match it was. A fantastic 3-all draw that had a missed penalty and a potential goal of the season contender. I mean, you can't really ask for more than that. So, for today's episode, Callum and I are in the middle of Southampton. We are in a pub full of Cologne and Southampton fans in build-up to Southampton's final pre-season game. There is quite a bit of background noise, just to warn you, and we're going to get into our Premier League predictions for this coming season.
1: Yeah, so I've gone with uh, Manchester City, the champions, to retain for a third-year run just think they've got too much. Them, them top, Liverpool second, I think they're far and away from the rest of the league. But between the two of them, I think Man City have got a bit too much. I don't think Liverpool will have the consistency to run them as close as they did last season. I think they won a lot of games with last-minute goals. Uh, You think of the the likes of the Everton games and, and a few others. Whereas Man City... I think look like winning every game. Um, they've got 100 points, then they got 98 points. They're consistently getting wins, and the only teams that they occasionally seem to lose to seem to be the odd away game against one of your top teams, like your Chelsea's or your Spurs. Um, they've they've brought in a, a holder midfielder, but again, it's looking to the future, looking to replace Fernandinho. I don't think they need to really improve on what they've what they've done because they're one of the best Premier League t- teams of all time. Um, Liverpool haven't really strengthened either Um, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, if in the next five days Jurgen Klopp does do anything
0: Yeah, there's only a few days left off the uh, transfer window and I think at the moment Manchester City is still ahead of Liverpool and especially with the prowess that they've got yes, they might lose Sane to Bayern Munich but they've got such a strong squad that someone can seamlessly come in in his place maybe uh, Bernardo Silva himself and I think whilst Liverpool ran them so close last season the introduction of VAR, there are a few contested decisions, a few accusations of diving from maybe a few of their players, yes it applies to every single side in the Premier League with VAR and personally just going off at a tangent I think with the introduction of VAR, I think it will be penalty central for the first few yeah, weeks of the Premier League um, yes the VAR applies to every single side, I think not trying to be biased or anything towards or against the club but Liverpool did get away with quite a few decisions last season, a few offside goals, a few penalties that were could be given, maybe not but I still think despite that Manchester City have far too much quality in their side and with Pep Guardiola they have one of the best managers in the world.
1: Yeah, You make, you make a good point with VAR as well, we're predicting football as we know it but there will be penalties given when we don't think penalties should be given. It, it's going to be annoying at the beginning of the season, there are going to be a lot of decisions that we don't feel are correct it's going to be difficult from a live point of view with the delays hopefully they'll iron that out um, so I, I think Spurs will finish third I think the top three really in my opinion are, are quite straightforward. I think Spurs aren't as good as the top two but I think they're a lot better than, than the next three if, uh, of the big six as you would call it.
0: I would actually go for Arsenal in third but I think Spurs would be in fourth and so the reason I think that is because Arsenal, yes, they've, they've still got a few days to sign the centre-back but sign, the signing of Pepe is absolutely fantastic and they have now, I think, one of the best attacks in the league. Yes, it depends on whether Ozil turns up in terms of their, what what he's going to do to bring them all together but I think the Pepe himself is going to really take Arsenal up to a new level. Spurs, I think finishing fourth for the Spurs wouldn't be terrible they've signed Undombele, a really good player for them they've got the new stadium their fans are going to be really lifted for this season I just think this is the season where Arsenal may actually overtake Spurs whether they start the season badly because of maybe still, a, uh, still the Champions League heartache will that still be over them will Harry Kane still have that streak about him that it's all about him Well, they work more as a team, I think Arsenal will get going this season and I think we'll really see what Unai Emery is all about this season
1: um, I've got to disagree that I I, I can't see Arsenal finishing above Spurs, they have got a fantastic attack but they're going to lead goals left, right and centre and that means that they're much more beatable, I think Spurs all round have got a a better squad Uh, Yeah, Arsenal have got plenty of options and they've brought in Pepe who's another exciting talent but once again, Arsenal, as they haven't done for years and years and years, are not fixing the problems. I think if they bought a centre-back, a good centre-back, they, I think they'd definitely finish in the top four. But when you look at Spurs, they've got a solid defence, a solid team generally. They've got probably the best striker in the league. Um, they've, they've got everything. And then they've gone and spent money this season as well, Vendombele. Um, and I think... You talk about the Champions League and maybe how they'll, that'll be hanging over them. I don't think it will be. I think that instead they'll be walking into um, a brand new stadium, which has been a long time coming. They don't have to play at Wembley. Uh, I think everyone's looking forward to seeing that stadium because it looks fantastic. And they're going to have a new home. And I think the atmosphere is going to be uh, is something special at the beginning of the next season. I just think Spurs are better than Arsenal uh, consistently. And I think they've got a better squad and better strength and depth. Arsenal, I have got Arsenal... Well, I had Arsenal sneaking in um, fourth place, and that was purely on the basis that they've got so many options going forward. As you mentioned, they've got Lacazette, Aubameyang, Özil if he turns up, uh, Awobi, Pepe, uh, and uh, the new the new under 21 um, signing that they've got from Spur, uh, from uh, from the Spanish lad. I forget what his name is, but they've got Caballos, a lot
0: of is that Caballos? Caballos, Yeah, they've got
1: a lot of a lot of options. However. Their back line is not good enough to, to contend for trophies this season. When you've got Mustafi at the back with uh, Papadopoulos, he's, um, I mean, that's not good enough. And Koscielny's not going to be there. And they haven't strengthened in that area. I am still going to give them fourth place. And I didn't think to myself, if Manchester United or Arsenal sign a centre-back and fix their defence then I think that will be enough for them to finish in the top four. And it looks like Harry Maguire has just signed for for, uh, Man United. However, I don't see that being quite enough to fix the defensive problems at Man United, even though they have spent 80 to million on him. Um, And with with that said, I've got Manchester United finishing fifth. But I think either of those teams could be
0: interchangeable there. I agree that there is, whilst Arsenal and Spurs are very good, Manchester United there... This season, I find them to be maybe a bit of an unknown quantity. There's a lot of um, animosity from the supporters about what they're actually doing. Whether they're going to get DiBALA in a swap deal with Lukaku remains to be seen. If they did sign DiBALA, that would be a fantastic signing. But DiBALA, we're not quite sure whether he actually wants to go to Manchester United at the moment. He turned up for training at Juventus, um, and to be told that he's not actually welcome there. He's not. He, he's not. He's not going to be needed. It's interesting. But. Whether he actually wants to, whether he does join them or not, I still think that Man United have got. I mean, as you said in the last podcast, you feel that Manchester United needs several years of transfer windows to go back to how they were. Several transfer windows. And giving a think about it, I'm now sided towards you. I completely agree with that. This could be the year where they're going to focus on the youngsters. Mason Greenwood's done well. I just think in your first season, if you're going to start going towards the youth, playing the likes of Rashford, Greenwood on a regular basis, you still don't know what you're going to get out of Pogba, whether he's going to be committed to the side, whether he's actually going to put the effort in. Um, I think Man United will actually not make it into uh, the top five this season. I think maybe with a couple of more transfer windows of getting it right, they can then start to push back to the top four. I actually think that this is the season that Leicester could finish really high. I've gone for them at fifth. Because I think they have really strengthened And yes, they're they're about to lose Harry Maguire But they're going to get 80000000 million They've got five days left of the transfer window It depends on how they use that money But still, the signing of Tillemans Who I think is signing of the season, quite frankly um, They're very strong
1: Let me just touch on Manchester United then So I do think that Dabala lukaku swap deal will happen Because they're two players that aren't wanted by their clubs And they don't seem to be able to shift them for the money that they want Um, And they, they each want the other team's player so I think that will end up happening I could see it potentially being even a loan deal with with an option to renegotiate that at the end of the season or in January Um, Manchester United similar to Arsenal they haven't got a good enough defence but they have got options going forward probably not the plethora that Arsenal have which is why I think they'll just finish fourth Arsenal but then Manchester United have signed Harry Maguire and so their defence generally, is better than Arsenal, so they've got good full-backs as well, and wan and Shaw, I think that's a real strength for them, It's centre-back, that's is the issue, and they've obviously got a good goalkeeper, so it's, it's, it's up to the likes of Lindelof or, or Smaller to really step up this season, and Maguire to do what this price tag says he should do. Um, I, Similarly to you, I, I've got Leicester breaking into the top six, I've got them finishing sixth, um, and I, Manchester United, I've got fifth, Leicester finishing sixth, I don't think they'll get top five, I, I think... Apart from Spurs, Liverpool, Man City, I think the other three are all laying on a plate for um, for another team to come through. And last time that happened, all the teams were doing that, and Leicester ended up winning the league. I don't think that'll happen this season, because obviously there are three good sides in there. But Arsenal, Man United, and Chelsea, who will come on to, I'm sure, are going to be... Um, sides that are going to be inconsistent they're going to lose games that they should win and i think there'll be i think there'll be a big gap between third and fourth and i think there'll be teams constantly overtaking lit- each other yeah, i think they'll be moving in and out of, of the top four every single week uh, and it really just it t- takes one side to put together a good run of form and be consistent leicester are going to be the side in my opinion that have the best chance of breaking into the top six um they've signed well uh, for me it's just the Brendan Rodgers factor I think it's a fantastic manager it's the first full cool season with him and I think they could be a, um, a breakout team this season with the likes of Madison, Perez you've obviously got Vardy that they're, they're strong in midfield and Didi I think is one of the most underrated players in the Premier League uh, they've just got strength in depth as well Telemans, fantastic player we saw that last season I think they'll finish top six um, and at the expense of of Chelsea so you've got Leicester finishing fifth
0: I got Leicester fin- finishing fifth I've got Man United in sixth I still, have, still think they've got that quality To uh, finish in the top six um, For seventh uh, I've gone for Chelsea Because okay. Yes they can't sign anyone I mean they did make a couple of signings Before that came into uh, uh, Came into effect With the uh, permanent signing of Kovacic as well as uh, Pulisic Who I think Won't replace Hazard But will certainly do a really good job of Filling that gap that they have there um, He's performed really well in some of the pre-season Friendlies they've had so far I think Chelsea will come 7th purely because Yes, they're going to have A lot of, uh, there's a good, real Feel-good factor with the fact they got Lampard As coach, I mean it would be the fact It would be like um, Southampton appointing Lambert As manager or something like that or Kelvin Davis On a full-time basis yeah. Obviously if they had Previous experience But still even if they didn't You'd have a feel good factor About the club you think the club Is coming back towards The fans a bit more Chelsea yes Whilst they're They're weakened From the departure Of Hazard They're still Chelsea They're still they, This is, yeah. a, this is yeah. a side That came third last year So so
1: they're, they're good enough To finish top seven I don't think they're going to do What they did under Mourinho I don't think there's going to be That unrest I don't think Lampard Will allow that to happen Because You're going to The players for once I don't think despite his lack of pedigree he is Chelsea Football Club he is an absolute hero for them and if if the players revolt I think Lampard's going to be the one that's backed by by, by the, the fans, fans. And, and that's that's what Chelsea haven't had even with Mourinho and all his success previously and all, all the other managers have had that issue for me it, my opinion is that you can't lose um, potentially the best player in the Premier League and not replace him they brought in Pulisic but there's not a replacement so they've lost Hazard so they've lost already a lot of points secondly they can't buy anyone so even if they could replace him or strengthen the squad everyone else is strengthening the window has been quiet but they're strengthening Chelsea aren't Um, and thirdly Lampard has never managed in the Premier League he's got vast Premier League experience he's had one season as a manager and done a reasonably good job with Derby almost got promoted did a very good job with with the youth and I think that's what's going to be important this season I think for Chelsea this isn't a season where there's going to be any pressure for once to win trophies uh, I think this, this might be the making of Chelsea because they've got, and uh, have had for a long time the best academy in, in England but all those players that have been out on loan and, and haven't managed to make it through I think um, it's a shame really that Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek are, are out pretty much for the season because Lampard I think would have would have they would have relished playing under Lampard he would have given them a chance my, pro- my problem is that if you need to finish in the top six or top four you're going to you need to have you need to win games consistently you need to win the majority of your home games you need to beat teams that you're supposed to beat if you're Chelsea and if you're going to bring in players like Abraham Mount Tomori who have only really I know Abraham's played a hand for Premier League games for Swansea but they really only have championship experience the next level for them in their progression is to move to a, a bottom half team to move to maybe to a Walls to Southampton or Bournemouth They're moving straight into Chelsea, potentially starting at Chelsea. Mason Mount, I think, will probably start in the centre midfield for Chelsea. He's got to make the step up from finishing sixth in the Championship to finishing sixth in the Premier League or fourth in the Premier League. And I don't think you're going to get that consistency that you need as a big club. But, as you said, you look through their squad and, yeah, they've lost Hazard. They haven't lost anyone else. Higuain was on loan, but they haven't lost anyone else. So they've still got a stronger defence than Man United and and Arsenal, in my opinion. They've still got good players in, in wide positions and in the midfield, but they still don't have that goal scorer. And if Tammy Abraham is going to be your striker for the season, I don't think he's going to score a lot of goals. Will he give Giroud a go? I think he deserves a go, Giroud. But it'll be interesting to see But a lack of goals I think is going to be A problem for for Chelsea
0: Yeah I completely agree And especially when They have so many games It's going to definitely Be a learning experience For Chelsea this season for, Especially for the young players They've got Champions League Football to contend with As well And um, yeah I think They still have good quality But yeah this is a season Where even finishing 7th Wouldn't be horrific Because this is a season Of change for Chelsea Yeah And I think We'll go on to the next side 8th is always A uh, a weird position for me because it's sort of the best of the rest position for me. It's never high enough to get that Europa League spot that it used to in the in the past. Eighth is very much a good position to finish in for the sides that feel that they're too good for being in a relegation battle, but are not quite good enough to get into the into the top seven. But again, this is the season. Where you've got a lot of the big sides Maybe at their lowest ebb You've got Manchester United and Chelsea in a bit of uh, learning curve A bit, tur- bit of turmoil That's why I think Leicester are going to capitalise But on 8th, I've gone for West Ham They've made some fantastic signings Fornals and Haller especially They've got, um, I mean Haller was part of the Eintracht Frankfurt strike force last season that almost got them to the Europa League final his strike partner Jovic has gone off to Real Madrid for about 50 million pounds 50 million euros and he has got a fantastic scoring record I think his scoring record at the moment uh, for last season was one every other game West Stan has
1: spent a lot of money on them as well about 40, 45 million
0: 45 so. million and they've got four and so they have spent a lot of money they mean business and they've still got I mean they've got Felipe Anderson as well that attack is incredible they got Issa Diop in centre-back they have a really strong defence as well I've got to agree with you in everything you said usually best of the rest is sort of 7th or 8th
1: this season I see being the first time since the season Leicester won a league where some of the big teams are opening the door and I don't think 8th is going to be best of the rest I, I can see West Ham I've got West Ham finishing 8th but I can see them finishing higher I could see them maybe doing what we're predicting Leicester to do because They've signed well and I'm actually really excited to watch West Ham this season because I've haven't seen a little bit of them and the players that they've got in the attacking midfield positions, they have got an abundance of attacking talent. They're going to be so many goals at the London Stadium and I think Haller is, is only going to benefit from that. He's a, he's I think he's a fantastic sign and I think he's going to be the big signing, the big striker that West Ham have been crying out for for a long, long time and haven't been able to um, to sign They've got Fornells, who looks brilliant. They've got Anderson, who is brilliant. Lanzini is back from injury. He's talent. Harlow is going to be the main man up front. You've still got the likes of Antonio. You've still got so many other players to bring in. Um, Winston Reid, if he stays fit and forms a centre-half partnership with Diop, with Fabianski in goal, I mean, that's exciting as well. Uh, I think West Ham have got a lot to look forward to this season, and I've got them finishing 8th. I think they're going to. I think at, a minimum, at a minimum they'll finish eighth. I think they'll be contesting. We could see last day of the season between sort of fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. It could be all to play for. No, I don't think West Ham or Leicester are going to finish fourth. But what I'm saying is, within the last few games, I think it's going to be all to play for. It's not going to be that big gap between the top six and the next, the, the best of the rest. Um, and, and West Ham are one of the teams I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching next season to make up the top ten. I've got Everton
0: finishing in ninth.
1: Have
0: you... Have I've got you Everton got? finishing in ninth because they're always such a... They're a really strong, really strong side. Um, over the past few years, their fans will certainly be... With the amount of investment, their fans will only be expecting more, but they've got it wrong with signing the wrong kind of player. They spend too much money on attacking midfielders. They've gone they still need to sign a, a top striker yes. yeah that's the problem
1: that's nail on the head I think there I, I, I had uh, in my head I had Everton finishing 8th Leicester maybe breaking the top so, top 6 Everton finishing 8th and then I looked at their squad and I looked at West Ham's squad and West Ham have got a better strength and depth they've they've got options all over the park whereas I look at Everton they've just lost Adrissa Gay they've brought in Fabian Delth I think is a really good sign and a coup at the amount that they paid for him uh, They've, they've, they've been linked with the likes of Zaha and big money since they've been, since been taken over really but they haven't, they haven't spent that this season um, but they it's Calvert-Lewin or Tosson up front and they're not going to have the goals once again, they've got, are they going to play Richarlison up there, seems like a problem that they refuse to fix at Everton uh, and for that reason, although they've got a good squad I think they'll finish about ninth. Um, and I've actually got Bournemouth finishing in the top 10, I think most people probably have Wolves in there but I just feel that Bournemouth have kept a hold of their squad they haven't lost any players they haven't bought a great deal of quality in but they haven't been forced to because they don't feel that like they need to strengthen too much and I think keeping Callum Wilson keeping Ryan Fraser is, is massive for them going forward they're, they're a fantastic team and they're building for the future they've brought in a couple of young players that maybe aren't going to go straight into the squad uh, but a bit of squad depth which was important for for Bournemouth and I think they're. Um, I think they've got enough attacking-wise to finish in the in the top ten because they haven't really they haven't really lost out. And the, the only the only issue I do have is that it looks like Dave Brooks needs needs an operation. He's going to be out for the first three months of the season. So um, you haven't got that front four interchanging. But I still think a front three, and they have signed a new winger. But maybe the front three, including King, uh, with Cannon Wilson and obviously Fraser. That that's enough, especially on the counter-attack to really trouble teams, they look good when I watched them at St Mary's last season and on the TV a number of times uh, and maybe they'll play 4-3-3 and shore up the middle, have a ball in billing but I think, I think Eddie Howe will get a tune out of them and they, they could finish in the top 10
0: I think the Bournemouth are going to be alright this season, I don't think they're going to finish in the top 10 um, because I think 10th to me is Wolves, they're a really strong side, they've made a couple of decent signings, yes they've got Europa League football to contend with but unlike other sides that have contended with Europa League football the lower sides such as Burnley they actually have the squad depth and the quality in their side I think to I've got deal to, with that. I've it. got to completely disagree with that I've got Wolves finishing 11th
1: um, and I think that's the best Wolves are going to do and the reason I've got them finishing 11th is because of the Europa League but I don't think they've I think they got less strength and depth this season than they had last season they've got a lot of players they, they play with the back five they've got um cover at, at right wing back and left wing back they've got Saiz who can come in as one of the uh, centre back three that's the only real cover they've got there but in midfield they've let Paulo Costa go on loan they've let Caviero go on loan and those are players that I thought would get a crack in, in the cup competitions and they haven't replaced them they're, they're midfield they have Moutinho Neves Dendonca. Gibbs-White, who I think is a really good young player and should get more football, and Traore. Other than that, 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 those are the only options they've got left in the midfield. And then they have Jota and Jimenez up front, and they've, um, they've got a, a striker called Petrone, who I don't know much about, but that's it in terms, of the, in, in terms of strikers. So I think Wolves need at least another couple of players before the start of the season, because they're going be, to be threadbare when it comes to the Europa League, and I, I, I'm really surprised that they let those two players I mentioned go out on loan but also
0: that they haven't signed many players at all, only a couple. I guess we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. I mean, I've got in um, in eleventh. I've actually got Bournemouth. Oh, okay. So
1: I've got I've got Bournemouth tenth, Wolves eleventh. And I've gone for and the you've other way. The other way round. So I think
0: Bournemouth. Are, consistent yeah, I think Bournemouth will still, as you said, they've got they've kept the the main. Th- we we said in the last episode. Well, I said in the last episode that whilst. There wasn't a key signing they need to make. What they actually needed to do in the summer was to keep the players such as Callum Wilson, such as Ryan Fraser. So far, they've done that. Of course, that could all change in the last few days of the transfer window if someone throws big money in. And then Bournemouth would be left a little high and dry in terms of who who they could bring in to replace. I think they'll be fine. They play some really good football under Eddie Howe. He's got the support of the fans, even when things do go wrong, such as last season where they had almost relegation form towards the end of the season, but managed to pull it pull it back, they, I mean, they play great football, yes, the omission of David Brooks for the first few months of the season is going to be tricky for them to uh, have that uh, attacking flair that they had last season, that bit of unpredictability, but I think they've made, as you said, they've made some competent signings, Billing is a good one to go in their midfield, they've got Metham and they've got Kelly to go in their defence, which has always, for me, been a bit suspect for this defence, I thought they're... They're taking their score more goals than the opposition. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, a case, it's a case of, will score more than you. And for a lot of games, they are, they do manage to do that, but they're still susceptible to that mistake at the back. And I think those two signings, especially their young players, they're going to be for the future uh, as well. So they've, they've shored up their defence. I just think that... With, as we've talked about the strength of some of the other sides that make up the rest of the league The likes of Everton, the likes of Chelsea, Leicester, West Ham I just don't think Bournemouth are quite that level to break into that But of course, as we said, it just takes a, few, a run of good results And this is the season to, yeah. to do it I just think for, for Bournemouth, um, mid-table towards very bottom of the top half Is what they can expect this season yeah.
1: So we're in agreement there pretty much as sort of 10th and 11th uh, with Bournemouth and Wolves either way. Um, in 12th, I've got Southampton. I've got Southampton as well. Okay, so, so it's pretty similar there. I just think you'll get into a point really with the Premier League table now where there are a lot of teams... I don't think there's a lot of quality in the Premier League this season. I think there are a lot of teams that will finish below the likes of Bournemouth, Wolves, Southampton. Um, and 12th sounds about right. I think the first season... We'll go into more detail obviously because we're talking thing Saints in a separate part of, a, of this podcast with the under the lights um, but, but for Southampton yeah they've strengthened a bit, they've brought in a couple of players, they haven't spent an awful lot but I think really the, the first pre-season and the first full season under the Ralf um and not having to deal with the start that Southampton had under Mark Hughes I, I think in terms of squad, they've been in relegation battle the last couple of seasons but uh, you know, all the pundits have always said what are they doing down there because their squad is so much better than some teams above them and I think the squad is good enough a centre-back would be nice uh, hopefully Southampton will sign a centre-back then I can definitely see, see them cementing their place in mid-table but it's, it's going to be a, a positive season I think and of positive football at St Mary's for the first time in a good few years
0: I completely agree and I'm, this is the season that I have been most excited about for quite some time under the likes of uh, Pellegrino, it was very much a case of, well, let's see what happens this season, then that turned out to be a fiasco. Claude Powell after losing Ronald Koeman and then losing the likes of Sadio Mane and Pella in the same transfer window, it was uh, a bit deflating. Yes, we had Europa League football to look forward to. But this season, I'm really excited. we got a manager that is, well, I think it was very much a coup, that, a coup when we got him. He's a very, very good manager, and I think it will be... A, um, well, I think it would be a case of if he has a really good season, we'll be tr- trying to keep hold of him from the bigger clubs when, for example, like Spurs when Pochettino uh, does eventually go. But talk, going back to Southampton, I don't think we're going to be worrying about relegation this season. I think we'll get a few scalps off the big sides, um, most likely to be Man United and Chelsea because they're at their weakest for some time. And I think we'll get good results against the ones around us. But finishing in the top half I think is maybe a little bit too optimistic
1: I do think just thinking about that actually I do think it's possible because I think St Mary's could be a fortress next season for the first time in a long time We've struggled to score goals under previous managers there but I think under Ralph I think it's going to be a difficult place for teams to come but then also away from home I think we hold a threat because of the way that that Ralph the Tool's team sets up with the counter attack and the, and the pressing style so so. You know, you put those two together and there is the potential for a lot of points and potentially finishing ninth, 10th.
0: I'd have to say, once they've gotten 12th at the moment, if Southampton were in the final few days of the transfer window and were to go out and get a decent centre-back, there's been a couple of rumours. A guy I mentioned in the previous podcast, um, the Pamacano. there's a few mutterings that something might be happening if Southampton can just shift a couple of their players. He's been, he's been omitted from a lot of Leipzig's uh, squads. And it's a case of whether there's someone... I think I said in the last podcast that getting him would be very much a coup for Southampton. I mean, he's wanted by Europa League and Champions League squads.
1: There's there's another rumor going around at the moment that um, Southampton have entered the race for Monaco defender Benoit Badiashile. I believe his name is. Yeah. Um, Young, uh, sought after, cost cost just shy of 30 million potentially. But but I think he's uh, he's 18 and it's a kind of um, it's kind of. Signing that Southampton would make Ralph Sterling wants to make a lot of a lot of money, so that might be the only stumbling block. But um, a lot of big clubs are after him, and and Southampton is seen as a fantastic place for young players to come by their trade, develop, and get a big move. So, be interesting to see. Um, moving on to 13th, I've got Watford. Um, I, I think here this is going to be where we've probably got a few different. Teams in different positions, but there or thereabouts. I've gone with Watford there because they had a good, they had a good season last season. They've got a good manager. They got off to a fantastic start and they fell away. They they obviously got to the FA Cup final. We won't talk too much about that because um, things go too well for them. But they seem to have a consistency about them. I don't think they're going to be in the top ten. I don't think they're going to get relegated. Um, They've got a brilliant midfield. I think they've got a plethora of average defenders. Um, and they've got Dini and Gray up front who get you goals. But they do have quality in Pereira, Decore, Kapo, Chalaba, um, De La Feu, Hughes. They've got good, good players in the midfield and that's what wins your games. So I think they'll have enough to stay up. But I don't see them getting in the top half.
0: I agree completely with you. I've actually got Watford myself at 13th. They've got too much quality to be really be, really be troubled by relegation. But again, this season it's a case of... Um, Whilst they've got a good, solid side, I think some of the teams above them will just have a bit too much quality for them to break into the top half. I mean, they've got a fantastic manager and we could be completely wrong and they might actually take this completely in their stride. But for me, 13th for Watford. In 14th, I've gone for uh, Burnley. I don't think... I think... They'll struggle again this season. I think 14th will be maybe the highest they get. I think they might be in and out of the relegation zone, uh, but be safe overall because Sean Dyche is a fantastic manager for them. He knows what he's about. He knows who he's signing. And Burnley, they've just got that dogged determination to, I think, stay in the league and not really um, get themselves out of a mess if they got themselves into it. Yeah,
1: I think they haven't signed anyone of any um, major... Sort of they've got
0: Jay Rodriguez. Yeah,
1: but, but they haven't. You know, I don't think they've done too much in the window. They haven't got any, one of, any fantastic pedigree. Rodriguez fits into what, what they'll do, probably play up front. But the, for, it's difficult with Burnley. I've got Burnley finishing um, 15th, and I'll, I'll, I'll go on to who I've got finishing 14th in a second. But the last time Burnley played, and they didn't have um, the Europa League two seasons ago, they finished in the top seven. So who's to say that they're not going to do that again because their squad now isn't any worse than what it was then I think teams around them potentially are better but Sean Deutsch I don't think they'll be in relegation trouble Burnley a difficult one to place so I think most people have them sort of around 14-15 mark but what they did two seasons ago uh, with the squad that they had is, you know last year was a bit of an anomaly in, in having the Europa League to start with and a pre-season that didn't go to plan they got a good pre-season under the belt with Sean Dyche, I've got them finishing 15th um, 14th, I've got the first of the promoted sides I think the champions Norwich City will finish 14th um, I, I think they've got a good squad, I think they played fantastic football by far and away the best team last season And they're just one of those sides that I think is going to come up. They've strengthened in the right positions. They're doing things in the right way. And they're going to continue with some of the momentum they've got. Um, I don't think Carrow Road is going to be an easy place for teams to go. And I think their midfield certainly, uh, with the likes of Littner, uh, Schreiber, Patrick Roberts, um, Buendia is a fantastic player. I think they've got good midfield, good strikers. Defensively is where I worry for them a little bit. They might get turned over first game of the season on Friday at Anfield against Liverpool, but I, I don't think they'll be threatened by relegation. I don't think they'll do what Wolves did. I don't think they've got that much quality and spent that much money, but I like what they're doing. They're not going out and spending loads, but they're also not keeping the exact team that they, they had in the Championship. They've strengthened the right areas. They've got a good manager and uh, and in my opinion, um, they'll, they'll be safe and they'll finish about 13th.
0: I think you're spot on there. They've got a fantastic manager in Daniel Fark. I think he's brilliant. He knows what he's getting with the squad. His, his squad know how to play his way. They've got, quite, they've got quite a strong squad in the Championship. They've done really, really quite well. And I would, I've got them actually finishing um, 16th because I think Aston Villa are going to finish above them, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, Aston Villa have made a plethora of signings. Spent a lot of money, and well, as much as I want, them, I know they've got. They spent a lot of money. I know they've had a whole squad to overhaul with losing so many loan players, so many players in general. They, oh, it has to work. It really has to work because if it doesn't, they're in an awful lot of trouble if they go down.
1: Uh, and let's let's talk about Villa then because um, I've got Villa finishing 16th, so I've got Norwich 14th, Burnley 15th, Villa 16th, and you've got Burnley 14th
0: fifteenth,
1: Norwich 15th. 16th. So we've got them being safe but uh maybe only, only just yeah. uh, those teams. I think it'll be I think
0: for the bottom five, maybe well or maybe maybe ignoring 20th, so, so, so that group of four I think is going to be quite interchangeable over the season, I, the, we'll, come, we'll come to those teams or below them later, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be really changing over the season, it's going to come down to the final day if I'm completely honest with well, let's you. Let's talk
1: Villa then, because yeah. you, they've spent a lot of money, uh, they needed to spend a lot of money because so many loan payers were lost, they've signed good, if not fantastic um. Pedigree. They've signed Matt Target. They paid a lot of money for him. He's, he's going to be a good left back in this league. Solid for them. Uh, Tyron Mings. They signed him. They had him last season. But they've signed. They had to pay 25 million for him. Wesley. They've gone abroad. So many strikers that you they've brought him in from the Belgian league. He's a, a big striker. Who's if he doesn't do it, then they haven't got any goals for me. And that's why I think that they will struggle and they will be involved in a dogfight, um, just all around the pitch. I mean, they've got good midfield. And in terms of squad depth They've got the likes of Grealish They do have the odd game changer um, However, I don't think The signings that they've made For the money that they've spent I don't think they've bought in the quality To really take them into into uh, Wolves territory or, or doing as well
0: as some fans And some Villa fans seem to think they might do I completely agree I, They've spent a lot of money And you look at the, the list of players that they've signed And no one for me stands out as someone who's actually been worth the fee so far I think yes Tyrone Mings really good signing and someone that they I think it's a really I think that's a really good good signing for them in terms of he's a good centre back he was there last season he knows what the club's about um, fans favourite fans already. fans favourite already season. And <laughs> he spent after the playoffs so I don't know if you saw but he spent about a few days after just still in his uh, Aston Villa kit getting the tube around London so he He's the worry very,
1: for him though as well is that he's injury prone so you yeah. spend 25 million on him as your main centre back and then he gets injured I know they brought in concert from Brentford untried at this um, level as well but that's a lot of money for, for a player that is very injury prone
0: yeah I think they will be in and under threat of relegation I think the, the fact that they've come up from the championship they'll have a bit of a Momentum. The fans are going to be right yeah. behind them. But and I on think that
1: as well, I think they've got they've got good fixtures to start. They're away at Spurs to start with, but then they've got a few winnable games. So I think they might start the season in and around mid-table. Uh, and they're then good. they've and then they've got yeah. Then towards the end of the season, squad depth might be an issue, quality might be an issue. But going back to what we mentioned with Sampson, I think there are teams that are worse than Aston Villa with the money that they've spent. So for that reason, that's why I finish. I have to say, 16th,
0: Aston Villa for me, looking at their fixtures, are going to have to accrue the points really, really uh, early in the season because they have an absolute dire run of fixtures towards the end. Wolves at home, Limpole away, United at home, Palace at home, Everton away, Arsenal at home, West Ham away. There's yeah. not a lot of points for them. So that's, right?
1: that, that's sort of yeah, that works with what I'm saying as well. Then so I think at the beginning of the season, you might find that Aston Villa are in sort of mid-table. Uh, but they might be that side that
0: slips, drops with yeah. a,
1: with six or seven games when you think they're not in the relegation battle. Uh, if they are in a relegation battle with those fixtures left, then you, then Aston Villa might be in trouble. Mm. But that's the beauty of the Premier League is yeah. is you don't know where, how the land lies until those last yeah. few games of the season um, come about. So getting towards the trap door to the Championship. So so, so we've all got four teams left. Yeah. Right? So we've all got um, Brighton. Crystal Palace, Newcastle United, and Sheffield United. That's best order, that's not in, in yeah. the order I've got them there. Uh, who's staying up by the skin of the teeth?
0: I've got Palace staying up by the skin of their teeth. They've got a good manager in Hodgson, a very experienced manager. They have a Premier League side with Premier League experience, and it, dep- it does depend a lot on whether Depends they. On Zaha, can... Zaha yeah, get, like, every season. <coughs> if um, he's. I mean, this could be the season that it possibly changes, because if Zaha stays. Does he want to be there? Does he want to put in the effort? But if he does stay and he does want it, I mean, it's a joke, but it's true. With VAR, Palace with Zaha are going to have penalties galore. They're going to yeah. have so many or penalties. yellow
1: cards galore. Or, VAR. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. This and, it's going to go one way or the and, other. And, and 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 we'll see what happens retrospectively for diving because that's been talked about for a while. But Wolf and Zaha is fantastic. Yeah. And they Wolf still have the, yeah, the, the quality.
0: Yeah, it's quality. Policy, what? They have a quality squad. They still yeah. they still have good experience in this. I think they
1: have experience. I think it's an ageing squad. I think uh, with a manager who's who's quite prehistoric in what he does. I think Wilfred Zaha is always every single season we say Crystal Banish will finish in this position if Zaha stays, but they'll drop to this position if he leaves. And it's always a case of they'll finish um, 16th, 17th, or maybe, you know sort of bottom, sort of mid, maybe mid. Way down the bottom half of the table, if Zaha stays, but uh, if he if he leaves, sorry, but if he stays, they could push in the top half. I think their squad isn't as good as it has been, and I think now Zaha, the difference for Palace is if Zaha stays, they stay up. If he goes, I could see him finishing rock bottom. I don't, I don't think they've lost one but Saka. They've literally... They've barely got four defenders at the moment. They haven't brought in a right-back, so they've got Joel Ward. Tompkins and Sacco start for them. They look like they're injured. Scott Dan's just come back. So they could start with Dan, Kelly, Ward and Van Arnholt as their only options at
0: the back. And that is I'm not going to lie for the Premier League. That's quite an atrocious back four to be yeah. having. And they don't have a
1: striker either, so Zaha's probably going to play up front. They do have good um, competitive midfield players and um, and like wingers. But again goal scoring is
0: going to be an issue yeah. for them so do you have Crystal Palace surviving by the skin of teeth? I've got 13? them 17th yeah. as well so we, we've got the same bottom but three it just depends on what order uh, not, that, not that it matters because no, they're, uh, all they're all going, going down but. 18th for me I've got Newcastle Okay. Um I don't think they will finish rock bottom. Well tell us your bottom three. Box but I've got Newcastle, Sheffield United and Brighton. Okay. And I think Brighton will be actually cut adrift. I really don't think they're gonna do well this season. Let's talk about Brighton first then because I, I thought the same thing. Um, I, I thought they haven't
1: they rely on Glenn Murray too much for goals. They're changing their philosophy with the way that they play. They've got a workmanlike defensive team that they had under Houghton, Although last season they went to pot second half of the season and they struggled to keep clean sheets and conceded goals. But they, don't, they haven't got goals, so they're going to go down for that reason. They rely too much on, on Glenn Murray and he's getting older. Then they're going to, uh, to, to Graham Potter, who plays football. He, 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 they'll, they'll have more of the ball. But have they got the players to do that? The likes of Proper will do well there. The only... The only thing I think that doesn't—that means they won't get cut adrift—is that they've got Pascal Gross again, and he was a big factor for their first um, season in the Premier League. They they stayed up. He got a lot of assists. He got a lot of goals, and and that means that they're not just relying on Glenn Murray. They've got uh, they've got Gross, and I think obviously Gross getting injured second half of last season coincided with their dropping four. So I, I still think they will get relegated, but I can see them fighting because um, Pascal Cross is, is an important number 10 for them and I think they've they've got another option in terms of goals but I do think they need to sign another attacking
0: player. For me what was really strange is getting rid of Anthony Knockart because he's gone on loan to Fulham. Yeah. A lot and it, it's actually I'm looking at the four four two preview and at their fans at the fans section the section that says Our most, uh, most underrated player He's actually put Anthony Knock, Anthony Knock on. Some call him Volatile and inconsistent But he's the most Exciting player we have And if you're getting Rid of him You're getting rid of A talent that can Be a game changer for I think the that's team. true
1: From what I've seen He could be petulant He's thrown in Last season An he, he, awful uh, tackle Where he was sent off for He can—if If he if he can't get past The player He sort of throws His arms up in the air But when he does He can put him bend in The top corner Like he did At Crystal Palace So
0: okay That's Brighton Staying with Brighton Just for, while, for one second I think they're, they're where they can be cut adrift, there's a period of six fixtures in between in March and April. Arsenal at home, Leicester away, United at home, Norwich away, which will be huge for them. And then home games against Liverpool and Man City. Yes, they're at home, but this is Liverpool and Man City where an away game for them is maybe just a slightly more difficult home match for them. They are... If they don't get... I mean... I can't see many points, if any points, from that run. Norwich away, that's Carrow Road. Norwich are going to be bang up for that. And, yeah, they've got their last three fixtures to try and save themselves. But still, Southampton away and Burnley away, and not easy places to the go. the big teams that they've got there, they're all
1: their home games. So like you said, the the home games are against the big teams. And then the, the teams that they might be able to get points against, they've got, to, they've got to travel away from home. So that may be difficult. Although they might be able to pinch some, some points. Off the big sides when they need to at home, yeah. so they need to coop some, um, recoup some points early on. Is what we're yeah. saying, so certainly first half of the season. I've got um, Newcastle finishing rock bottom, so I've got Sheffield United 18th, Brighton 19th, Newcastle uh, 20th. So, uh, but you've got Newcastle 18th, right? I do have Newcastle 18th. Let's talk Newcastle then, because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what my opinion is on Newcastle, and I don't think anyone's going to get carded because I do think they all have the potential actually to stay up. Um, my opinion on Newcastle is not that Steve Bruce is a bad manager because he's not. He's an unwelcome manager. They haven't got the worst squad in the division, but they're still lacking goal scorers. And and um, they have signed a striker for a lot of money, and a lot is going to depend on on whether he hits the ground running, Joelinson. So and they do have a bit of, a bit of strength. They've they've got a lot of defenders. None of them are fantastic, but they've got yeah you know, a reasonable back four. Um, and they've got also a um. You know, a few players in midfield but again they haven't got that strength and depth the reason I think Newcastle will go down is um, that it's toxic from top to bottom we mentioned it in the last in our first um, uh, podcast and I, I, their fixtures at the beginning of the season are not um, are not good so I, I can see something happening here where the new manager comes in, he comes in late, so they haven't had the preparation that most teams have had, or that all teams have had. Steve Bruce has come in, he's gonna look to um, try and implement his vision and his plans early. Um, and he's gonna have to do that quickly. He's taken on a squad that's not his. He's brought in uh, the striker, as I said, but no one else. And Newcastle don't want him. And the first game of the season isn't going to be an atmosphere where they're all looking forward to the season. Of um, just reading, like you said, you've got a four-four-two magazine there, and they've got toxic written, uh, you know, toxic atmosphere. So um, it's—I it, think that's going to be the problem. And as soon as Newcastle go on a run of not winning games, Mike Ashley, Steve Bruce, it's, the players are all going to be under one hell of a, a, a pressure from, from St James's Park faithful they've got Arsenal first game of the season they can go one of two ways they can give them a really good game and they could beat them because you can score goals against them or they can get absolutely yeah. hammered um, just to go through those fixtures to start with Arsenal at home Norwich away so first home game of the season for for a promoted side they'll be licking their lips seeing Newcastle there um, then they've got Tottenham away they've got Watford at home Winnable Liverpool away Brighton at home, Leicester away, Manchester United at home, Chelsea away. That they've got Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, Leicester, Man United, Chelsea, and even Wolves, and even Wolves in the first ten. Those those are all sides we've got finishing in the top seven. So I think they're going to struggle there. And if they don't pick up points at the home games against, the, I can see them losing at home to Watford and the fans throwing their season tickets like they do and everything else. So I think they, I think they. Potentially, will be in a relegation zone uh, come sort of October time, November time, and they're not going
0: to get out. And they... get out
1: and, and 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 I think they won't. Yeah, they won't be able to. Uh, I think it'll be too toxic, and, and they won't be able to turn that around. And, and for that reason, I think they'll end up finishing bottom. And I think it will peter out for them.
0: I really think it, and I think the same. And again, looking at their fixtures towards the end of the season. I mean, they got Manchester City, they got West Ham, they got Tottenham, and Liverpool, all in those final few games. It could all, it could potentially be curtains for them come mid-April, really, it realistically. Be, yeah. And yes, they spent big, big money on uh, Joe Linton. He doesn't have a good record In the Bundesliga They spent a lot of money on him And I know the transfer fees Are vastly inflated Is this, Yeah This is it's a guy boy, in my this, opinion This is a guy Who in one season I think it, it might have been last season Only scored seven goals Yannick Vestergaard Scored seven goals While he was in the Bundesliga <laughs> And it's an £18 million Centre back Who's got the uh, Not the greatest turning circle And the burst of pace But So I completely agree. It's toxic from rock to rock. I still think that Benitez was punching above his got Newcastle punching above their yeah, weight I think yeah. they have very much maybe a top championship side they now got Steve Bruce who I don't think is a bad manager as you said he's unwelcome he's not, he's not wanted there I mean a few months ago Newcastle fans were getting news of a takeover a lot of money pumped into the club and yes it was incredibly incredibly unlikely they, weren't they, were even in fourth set, they were even fourth favourites to sign Kylian Mbappe at one point on one of the, uh, well, that, on one was of the radi- that was that's just
1: ridiculous that so was that's ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. Anyone, unless it was a big name the manager was going to be unwelcome once yeah. Benitez um left the club in whichever way he did and and they blame obviously Mike Ashley and the board and the owner and everything else. Um, That leaves one team Sheffield United I've got them 18th you've got them 19th
0: I've got them 19th and it's not to do with whether I think No, there's nothing wrong with the club Sheffield United I just don't think that they have the quality. Yeah
1: the quality is the word I'd use as well. I wanted to find a, a place for Sheffield United to survive because the I think they're doing something that no other team is doing. They haven't got the quality. They haven't got the quality. Uh, they have not got the quality in forward positions. Defensively, they're the best defence alongside Middlesbrough in the Championship last season. Um, but I, I look across the signings that they've made, the players that they've got, and I, I wanted to think that, as mentioned previously, Wilder is, is sticking to a um, a model. He's bringing in workman-like players that he knows from the Championship, young players that that fit a philosophy. Brought in, and they're not even the Championship dream team. They're sort of, he's just buying in players that fit an exact uh, position, position, and, and 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 certain qualities that he wants from a player. And they're gonna and they're gonna work for him, um, and they're gonna work hard. And it'll be similar to Cardiff. I think they, I think they'll be the team that pushes with Palace towards the end, and the locks of Villa. Um, but I think at, by the end of it, they just won't quite have enough. I don't think they have the goals and the Goldrick, Sharp, Mousset Robinson, uh, uh, they might be signing uh, they've got £20 million pounds of spending on McBurney, potentially, I just don't think it's enough, and unfortunately I think that means that they'll, they'll just not survive but I do see them getting points at Bramall Lane and it been being a difficult place to go I just don't see them getting enough points because don't, they have enough goals.
0: Yeah, I completely agree and I think that, yeah, it's, it's just that lack of quality, I think they will be they will provide a stern test for teams but not enough on a regular basis to get the points to stay up so we've gone through our Premier League prediction. Just looking at, I asked the question on Twitter what people think would be like the bottom three who would win. For bottom three, the general consensus is Brighton, Newcastle, and Sheffield United. That came up quite regularly as the bottom three to go down. Some people put Norwich in there as well.
1: So taken from that, then we all seem to think the same three teams will go down. So one of those is going to end up finishing in the top half because that's that, it never
0: goes <laughs> to plan. One of them's going to end up winning the league, but no, I don't, obviously not that far. But. I think those three teams, as a collective, are just not good. They're not going to have a good season. Sheffield United. It's not. as we said, it's not a case of a bad atmosphere. They're just. They're just not good enough, and in my opinion. And all
1: three of those are really based on not having the quality of squad. I mean, Newcastle is a bit different. We've talked about where they are as a football club, but they haven't got the quality to stay up, and they haven't made the signings in the transfer window that maybe other teams around them have. So, so that's that's a pretty consistent um, yeah.
0: hypothesis there, really. So there we have our Premier
1: League. I, I want to I chuck oh. some questions at you. Yes, yeah, go wrap. for um, some quick fire questions. We've, that's our that's our Premier League table. Uh, I just want to ask a few questions, and we'll reel off who we who we think. Um, first of all, who's going to win the Golden Boot at the end of the season? Your opinion. I'll, I'm going with Harry Kane. Um, obviously, it's usually Salah, Aguero, uh, Mane. Those those types of players. In my opinion, uh, Man City are going to share them about. I I can see Aguero maybe not playing as many games as he did last season, then bringing in Jesus a little bit more. Um, I think Salah will score goals, but again, Firmino will probably get a few more. Mane will get a few more, and I don't see Liverpool doing quite what they did. He will still get goals, but but my opinion is that if Harry Kane stays fit and he um, starts the season well and in his new stadium... He the goal, that's where the goals really come from, and he is the focal point for Tottenham. So I think he will get the golden boot.
0: I think Harry Kane is a very strong option. I mean it's a good option to go for. He's always scoring so many. I'm gonna go a bit left field here. I'm gonna say Jamie Vardy is gonna be right up there. Purely because if we're predicting Leicester to have the really good season that they are that 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 they can have, he's got a fantastic group of players behind him to set him up. Yeah. And Jamie Vardy. For uh, Brendan Rogers is a good manager He's very much based on his striking options The pace of the attack You've got Tillemans behind you You've got Ayote Perez as well who we can provide a perfect foil for Madison. him Madison as well Jamie Vardy for me If not the golden boot winner I think he will be in the top three
1: Yeah and he was up there last season He's 6th um, he's favourite uh, with the Brookies uh, 20 to 1 Another another one we mentioned, but he, he is like I said, he's the focal point for Leicester as yeah. Kane is for Tottenham. He'll get a lot of games. Maybe Perez has been brought in there because Vardy's getting a bit older, and he might. They've got another option up front to rest yeah. him during the busy periods of time. If he stays fit, as with all these players, that that's a good option. Um, for, for potentially a left field top scorer, we will see at the end of the season. who will give you shake your hand if that that comes through. Um, the only other player we can talk about, and we talked about Arsenal and how they're going to concede a lot of goals but score a lot of goals. Um, they've got such creative talent in that team that Abamyang could quite easily run away with it. Even Lacazette, but I think Abamyang is, is is the potent striker there.
0: Well, with the new signing of Pepe, they've they've got a real. Well, as we spoke at the start of the podcast Defence is weak But their attack is one of the, one of the best in the league now um, Aubameyang is certainly going to be scoring goals for them Who,
1: who is going to be and, and there's no way of really measuring this um, Properly at the end of the season But who would you say is going to be the signing of the season That's been made so far I'll go, forward. I'll go first again Because obviously I'm asking questions I don't think that any of the top sides Have made a fantastic signing I think Maguire is something needed for Man United, but I think it's too much money. I don't think it'll have as big an impact immediately. Pulisic for Chelsea is okay. Pepe coming in, unknown quantity. I'm going to go for Sebastian Haller at West Ham, because in my opinion, the the signing of the season will be the person who makes the biggest difference to their club. Van Dijk came in at Liverpool, and he was exactly what they needed, and he took them... To win the Champions League and almost win in the Premier League because they needed a defender. Um, so Maguire, if he if he does step up and, and does something similar to what Van Dijk will do, I don't think he will. He could be that player, but I think Haller. They've been after a striker, a big striker, and I think he's his link-up play and he's going to be a focal point. We mentioned it again for West Ham, and they've got so much talent. I think his his supply line is going to mean they're going to score a lot of goals, and he's a handful. We did it in in. Uh, in the Europa League they did it in the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga has a lot of comparison to the Premier League and he's good with his feet but he can put it about he's a a unit and I think he's going to score a lot of headed goals as well
0: I completely agree at West Ham I think their two main signings Fornells and Haller are going to be brilliant I think especially Fornells behind them he's got a lot of trickery with a bit of Saints bias, I think Che Adams is going to have an inc- a really good season. I think he's going to score quite a lot. Um, and I think he's going to be quite a sought-after striker in a couple of years' time. But we'll come to that in when we go to Kingsland Corner. For me, I'm going to stick with my guns that I went with originally and go for Tillemans for Leicester. Yeah. I think he's a, sen- a sensational midfielder. He's young.
1: We've uh, had a preview as well because he spent the last half of uh, last season on loan there, didn't he? So we sort of see what he's about. But he, he's up there. He's a fantastic player. Yeah. I don't think there's been a lot of in this transfer window. I don't I think there have been many fantastic signings. I think it's been quite quiet, generally. Shorter transfer window, as there was last season as well, maybe add into that. Yeah. But maybe also, Cubs not willing to spend the money in, in this current market um, that, that other clubs are asking for their players. Dybala could be a really good signing for United if that comes through. Um, I want to ask you next, who, who would you put down as your first manager to, uh, to get the boot? Because someone's going to, they always do. Who's going to be the first to go? When do you think it'll be?
0: Unfortunately for him, I've got to say Steve Bruce. He's been appointed. The fans don't like him, and a bad run of results. They've got. We looked at their first few fixtures, first ten. They've got an awful first bunch of fixtures. Those fans can turn quickly. Mike Ashley. Yes, he wants to get. As much money as he can from Newcastle, it is his investment, and if it's going, if it's like hurtling towards the championship, he's got to, he's got to do something about it. And I think Steve Bruce will be the first. I think one. he's
1: probably the favourite. Um, he's come in late in pre-seasons, we've said, so he's he's already um, going to struggle to really make an impact immediately. I just Newcastle are a funny club, and Mike Ashley's a funny owner, and I think the, the amount of time he. he clung on to Pardew because he wasn't having to pay him that much money it seemed he's probably got Steve Bruce on a relatively low wage I mean and he doesn't he's used to the pressure from Newcastle fans so is he going to succumb to that or is he going to stick to his guns does does he care if they even get I know what you are saying about how much the club's worth but if they do get relegated is is it going to bother him that much is he going to say I'm not going to spend all this money on another foreign manager to come in who might not do do the job anyway Um, I'm going to go a little bit left field I'm going to say Crystal Palace will part ways with Roy Hodgson I think Hodgson is brilliant at what he does he is getting old I don't see much progression for them I think their squad as we mentioned earlier is poor Um, especially if Zaha goes and I can see them being in the relegation zone towards the beginning of the season maybe at Christmas and they might be forced to um, roll the dice and gamble and get in a manager that is maybe um, more gives a bit more going forwards. He's a very defensive manager. They don't have any good strikers. I can see goals being a problem. They obviously don't want to go the opposite way and get in a Frank de Boer because obviously that didn't work for them the last time. But it also shows that they they're not afraid to sack a manager early. I don't think it will be that early. It was de Boer maybe only a few games in? Wasn't I think he? It was but, four, yeah, four um, or five matches but in. He's, uh, but but Roy Hodgson, you know, I think it, it probably will be his last managerial job. He's getting old. He does do. He's very good at what he does. But I'm just, I'm just seeing Palace struggling and needing a change at the top or at the man, in the manager's position to try and um, to try and force the issue and, and survive. Um, the other thing I want to ask is, we've obviously mentioned our, our tables. What team for you is going to surprise? So whether that's a team that we think a lot of things people think he's going to finish in the bottom three but will finish mid-table or someone who's finishing mid-table and might finish in the top four and the other way as well which which side do we think a lot of people are tipping to, to do better than we, perhaps you think they will There's some left field options
0: well I think in terms of a team doing people think are going to do really well and then maybe not work if Haller doesn't work out at West Ham, yeah. they could be re- they could easily underperform and finish somewhere in the bottom half of the table. Yeah, they have a lot of quality, but well, another situation for West Ham is if Haller gets injured, they don't really have a backup striker of yeah. genuine quality. Yeah, they got Hernandez, but they yeah. had him last season and he wasn't exactly brilliant. Yeah, he's their only
1: backup really. And what they apart from the youth players, um, what they do have is a fantastic manager who's now a couple of seasons in And seems to have developed. A squad of, of footballers and some of the pre-season football that we're playing—they'll they'll be really good one-and-two touch football—and um, it'll be interesting to see. Wolves, as I mentioned for obvious reasons, I think will be mine. I think a lot of—I think everyone pretty much have them in the top half, uh, and I just don't think they've got the squad depth to cope second season in the Premier League. Remember, um, with with a you know with the demands of the Europa League as well. So I think they'll. They could potentially finish, yeah, you know, lower than, than 11th. Um, in terms of the teams that we think will do well, I mean, West Ham, I think, will do well. A lot of people have got a percentage in sort of 10th. I've said 8th. They could finish above that. Uh, Leicester, you've got to go with Leicester, really, uh, backing them to finish in the top six. For both of us, probably the same for
0: you. Oh, absolutely. Leicester, for me, it's not a not a surprise package because I think that they have... They have built a squad that can really challenge if going against my prediction of the table I think maybe early on Norwich they have such team unity they could obviously not not get into like the top 8 or anything but they could surprise a few people they could start off really strong um, they obviously have the momentum coming up from the championship fans are right behind them have a really strong squad really good manager whilst I think they will finish towards the lower half of the table I think early on they could surprise a few teams get a few big results and um Maybe be the media darlings for a little bit. Well,
1: I was picking up here a little bit um, pre-match in Southampton City Centre, so we're going to sign off on this podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to episode
0: three of Under the Lights with me, Callum Wilson. My Twitter handle is CallumWilson21, and myself, Tom Murray at T214Murray. We're going to head off to Kingston Corner in the next episode, so join us then.